Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, today we're talking about humor and healing. You know, here's the funny thing about life is that we have a tendency to always say, I just want to be happy. Well, happiness is an emotion, but it's only one emotion. The element that brings happiness into our life, the invitation to happiness, is actually having joy, having a sense of joy. If you have a sense of joy in your life, if you look to the positive, if you're an optimistic person, you have a tendency to look for humor in life. And when people are not joyful, they have a tendency to look for sarcasm in life. And so unfortunately, uh, and fortunately, sarcasm is a form of humor. But the bottom line is there is a healing factor involved in that. And so people that have joy in their life and find joy in their life have a tendency to also be healthier. You know, laughter is a really good form of stress relief. And there's a lot of factors involved in that. Uh, a good sense of humor can cure all ailments, but Dan, you know, there's a lot of data out there about the positive things laughter can do. You know, a good laugh has a great short-term effect. So when you start to laugh, it doesn't just lighten your load mentally. It actually introduces physical changes to your body. And laughter can do many things. It can stimulate many organs. Laughter enhances your intake of oxygen. It stimulates your heart, your lungs, your muscles, and it increases endorphins that are released by your brain. Also, it can active, uh, activate and relieve your stress response. So, you know, a good laugh fires up and then cools down your stress response. And it can increase and then decrease your heart rate and uh, blood pressure. And the result is a good, relaxed feeling. It also soothes tension. And laughter can also stimulate circulation and aid muscle rel relaxation, both of which can reduce some of the physical symptoms of stress. So if you look at the long-term effects, it, it, it isn't just a quick pick-me-up. It, it is good for you over the long term. And laughter may improve your immune system, like negative thoughts manifest into chemical reactions that affect your body by bringing more stress into your system and decreasing your immunity. And by contrast, positive thoughts can actually release neuropeptides that help fight stress and potentially more serious illness. It also can relieve pain. It may ease pain by causing the body to produce its own natural painkillers. It also can increase uh, personal satisfaction. It can make it easier to cope with difficult situations. It also helps you connect with other people. It improves your mood. Many people experience depression, sometimes due to chronic illness. And laughter can help lessen your stress, your depression, your anxiety. And it may take you. It may make you feel more happier. It can also improve your self-esteem. 
So when we look at the idea of improving our sense of humor, you know, we have to understand, are we afraid that we have an undeveloped or non-existent sense of humor? If that's our narrative about ourselves, then then we will predisposition ourselves to believe that we are not a funny person and don't have a sense of humor. But you can learn how to create humor. And we'll go into that later on in the program. But if you put it in your horizon, in simple terms, you know, things like that remind you of good things like greeting cards and, and, and letters and photos, things that make you chuckle, videos, you know, th then hang, hang them up, you know, hang them in front of you, hang them, have them around you so that you can add humor to your life. Keep funny movies, TV shows, books, magazines, uh, you know, quotes, whatever. Keep it around you so that you have it on hand. And when you want to add humor, that's a way to do that. And, and, and you know, if you need to look online or, or, or look up uh, websites for jokes or silly videos or listen to humorous podcasts, you know, or go to a comedy club, all of these things help enhance our ability to, to have humor in our life. Laugh and the world laughs with you. If you find a way to laugh about your own situations and watch your stress begin to fade away, that feels good. Even if it feels forced at first, practice laughing. It does your body a lot of good. Consider trying laughter yoga. You know, a laughter yoga, people practice laughter as a group. And laughter is, is forced at first, but it can soon turn into spontaneous laughter. And so, you know, when we share a laugh, we make it a habit to spend time with people who make us laugh and then return the favor by sharing funny stories or jokes with those around you. These can be great things to have in your life, you know, and, and you also need to know what isn't funny. You know, you don't want to laugh at the expense of other people. Some forms of humor aren't appropriate because if you're going to make fun of people, you're going to hurt people. And that's not a very good sense of humor. You know, laughter is a great medicine, though. You know, if you give it a try and, and, and even just make your mouth smile and, and maybe give yourself a forced laugh, maybe you'll begin to understand how this can help your life. You know, uh, if your muscles are tense, loosen them up. It is easier to smile than to grimace. And, and so it's really important for all of us to come to grips with that. You know, are you happy is a simple question. It's a very simple question, but with numerous variables underlying it. What makes someone happy? Well, once again, what makes people happy is to have the invitation to be happy, which is to find joy in your life. And joy comes from your soul. That means your soul is naturally looking for the humor in life. And, and, and you know, if, you, if you're a, a social scientist or an economist, you may uh, conduct scientific surveys that try to gauge the levels of contentment or satisfaction. If you're a religious leader, you may wonder if someone feels spiritually fulfilled, connected to a community. You know, these are things that people do, but you know, being married sometimes can boost your happiness because you have someone that you can actually joke around with. You know, people that use humor in their marriage often stay married. That means they enjoy each other's company. And in, in, in the end, happiness may come down to what you're looking for in life, how you define that. And in, 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 in different societies throughout history, happiness has been equated with sheer luck or the certitude of a, a religious beliefs. You know, others have thought that happiness means being a good person or being able to live life of pleasure and leisure. But the truth is, is being mindful 
being able to be present is where laughter can come from because that means you're in the moment. You're not in your head in the past, in the future. You're right here in the moment. And when you collect, when you connect with this moment, what happens is you have a better propensity to have humor in your life. Um, <clears throat> the definitions of laughter changes and happiness. And so does our ability to handle adversity. You know, numerous uh, stories exist of people undergoing tremendous hardship cancer, losing jobs, bad breakup, finding themselves in the end uh, as happy or happier than ever. And despite their situation, some people are able to find humor and joy. And that is a great thing. If you can end your life, if you at the end of your life can end your life happily, that is a wonderful gift to give other people. That is a joy to give other people. You know, if we want we, we really need to reach inside ourselves and understand that we can look at ourselves as victim in this very difficult life we have, or we can look at ourselves as having an opportunity. I get to live. I get to do great things. But, you know, we need to surround ourselves with people that we want in our life, that we want to influence us. Sadly, many people surround themselves with people that are sad or depressed. They find themselves wanting to fix other people. So they attract anxiety and they attract OCD and all these other things because they're always wanting to fix other people. But the problem is, is if you're wanting to fix other people in your life, you're going to surround yourself with a lot of very unhealthy people. What you do want to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, people that are funnier than you, people that have stable moods. The more you do that, the more you're going to attract that into your life and the more you're going to become that. And so it's really important for us to understand that we are what we surround ourselves with. Understanding a problem also allows people to keep things in perception and, and, and to understand whether something is really worth getting upset about. And it prevents get, you know, giving in to self-pity, and instead it represents a more proactive approach that allows of finding a solution or moving on to other concerns. So many people will live within the reactions of their life. And what that means is they, they are reacting negatively to something that's happening and they stay within that reaction. The people that find humor often move to the response. So they're not stuck in the reaction. They're not stuck in the emotional instability of something that's making them unhappy. And then what they end up doing is going to a much more healthier place of learning how to respond. And then the response, that's where you find humor. And so, uh, you know, finding that and looking at that in life is a way of finding, having the attitude, the correct attitude, the best attitude to attract yourself uh, uh, to finding a humor everywhere you go and in any place you go. There's a tendency, especially in the United States, to try as much as possible. You know, we, we multitask incessantly, and, and so we have our iPhones and all kinds of crazy stuff, and they're all distractions. And, and what happens is, is, is we apply ourselves to, especially like the iPhones or, or our computers, which more and, more and more and more of us tend to spend more and more time in front of, we don't tend to be able to find humor. Uh, what we tend to do is find very serious, nasty news, lies, social media. Um, there's a lot of, of, of very nasty stuff out there. And if you're going to spend your time on social media, you're going to find yourself not finding as much humor as you could find it within your own imagination. 
You know, another term for simplifying your life may be, you know, this mindfulness. Mindfulness is slowing down, appreciating, observing what is around you. It's a form of simplification and allows you not to worry so much about the future, but to remain more involved in the present. And what that does is it encourages not overscheduling yourself, completing things at an appropriate place, spacing out our tasks so that you can better reflect, decrease stress in your life. You know, if you follow that kind of a process, you're going to have more opportunity for humor in your life. Mindfulness means that we are sitting back and we're kind of watching and observing our thoughts. We're observing that I'm upset. We're observing that I'm depressed. We're observing that I'm too distracted. But that means mindfulness is allowing us to be separate from that and observe those thoughts as they pass through our mind. You know, exercising also is a big help to boost for happiness. You know, it, it gives us a lot of, uh, it lowers our body's cortisol, uh, which is associated with stress. And depending on your stress level, you may need to alter your workout accordingly. And, and if you're more stressed, it might take longer and more rigorous workout to burn off the cortisol and walk away feeling relaxed and refreshed. You know, that is a good thing to have. When you feel good about yourself, you're inviting the opportunity to be happy. You're inviting yourself to have humor in your life. You may have heard of endorphins also. Exercise causes the pituitary gland to release endorphins. And they're very powerful. And they're mood-boosting chemicals. As with cortisol, the release of endorphins from exercise varies depending on the person and the situation. But intense aerobic activities such as running, are more likely to release endorphins than would be like light weightlifting. Experts also recommend that varying workout routines and activities like bacteria that become resistant to antibiotics, the body builds up resistance to the strenuous activities you put it through. If you listen to music while working out, try a new activity, play a new sport. Above all, work hard and that endorphin produced high should come along with the many, many, many health benefits. So now what we're doing is we're setting the stage for happiness and humor in our life. Accepting emotions is another thing. If we want to have humor, we have to be humble enough to understand our emotions and including frustration, sadness, disappointment. It helps create a more realistic worldview. By accepting the feelings as normal, it's easier to respond to them and be constructive. But if you tuck them away and pack away your emotions, what you end up being is passive aggressive which looks pretty funny to everybody else because you look like you're crazy when you're passive aggressive, when you try to express your emotions because you're basically making the statement, I'm gonna make this so crazy and so ugly that you're never gonna want to confront me again and you're never going to do this to me again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna scare you to death. And so what happens is the passive aggressive person looks crazy, their message never comes across and nobody learns anything except for you're dangerous during conflict. You know, so people that stuff their emotions find themselves to be very, very, very frustrated in their life. You know, if we pay attention to our feelings and how the outside world affects them, you know, do basic needs like hunger override your desire to be happy? Well, it's kind of funny to see people that are hangry. 
if you think about hangry, that means they're hungry and they're angry because they're hungry. That can be funny if you can actually admit that that's what's going on. <laughs> you know, it, making small improvements in your happiness may be simple as being sure that you eat regularly and you have snacks available. But it also is important to acknowledge the feelings of others. Maybe you're feeling good, but someone's sour mood is bringing you down. So recognizing the feelings as legitimate or the very least in reality worth dealing with can help prevent you from becoming frustrated. Often someone who's upset just wants a, a companionable listener to, to turn to. And the result may be that both of you are happier and more contented after that's been heard. I know in therapy, when I'm doing therapy with people, humor is enormously healing. It can, it can offer, especially when you go through a very uh, a moment of a lot of tears and sadness and grieving, and then all of a sudden if you bring humor into it, what happens is that person's mood can shift and they feel better. What, what's also interesting is if we do crisis work as, as in psychology, when you do crisis work and you're talking about someone dying, what's really cool is when you talk about, can you remember some funny things about this person? Do you remember, you know, do you have any fond memories of this person and what they did, how they acted? You know, what were their quirks? What were the things that get them upset? What were, what, were, what were some of the funny events in their life? That's how we all want to be remembered. It's not how we die. It's how we lived. That's important. You know, the, the, spending more time also in nature can help us really uh, reclaim our life. And, and it's an instinctive attraction to nature and the desire to preserve nature is really good. You know, we want to we want to uh, clean up and protect our environments. But when we're in touch with our environments, we have a tendency to be more in touch with our humor, with our better side of ourselves. We tend to be more optimistic. It allows us to, to let go of anger and to be more resilient, to face adversity when we are at one with nature. And that is such an important factor in all of our lives. But many people, especially after COVID, lock themselves up in their home and don't go out and enjoy life. Don't, in, don't go out and enjoy the beauty that we all have in front of us. And so, you know, it, it, many people would claim to have an instinctive attraction to nature. But we interact with nature in so many ways, you know, through, through our pets, through our camping, through fishing, through hiking. We can interact with nature in so many ways, taking out the trash. You know, many people would claim to, to, to have that. But the, there's this concept called biophilia, and it's coined by a biologist na named E.O. Wilson. And he stated that evolution has bred us to appreciate and do well in nature. And so people that live and interact with nature tend to have the opportunity to find more humor in life, more variety in life. They, we tend to enjoy and feel as one in life. And when we do that, we can share that with each other. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. 
Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for the power of young people to change the world. Hosted by NYLC CEO Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about humor and healing Here's some downsides to being happy. There are actually some compelling ideas against happiness. Can you believe it? You know, uh, and and there are some very serious reasons. You know, the downsides of happiness, for one thing, happier people are more prone to prejudicial behavior. Uh, A possible explanation of this is that their contented, lackadaisical, or happy attitude allows people to easily turn to stereotypes or other caricatures when making judgments. So happy people can also have uh, excessively high self-regard to the point where they think their thoughts or actions can control events clearly beyond their control. Similarly, concerns have been voiced that happy people may be easier to uh, manipulate particularly by unscrupulous political leaders. But happier people show higher levels of political involvement. Happy people generally live longer. But one study found that cheerful and optimistic U.S. children actually did not live as long as others. So draw your your own conclusions. You know, there are reasons not to reach out for happiness at all costs. You know, a blind pursuit of happiness may neglect some of the complicated effects associated with socioeconomic improvement. People who improve their station in life often report being less happy because with money and personal freedom come a variety of unintended choices and desires. So more opportunities are open to the wealthier person, but so potentially are the feelings of inferiority and desire for more and more and more called greed. You know, laughter is is one of the other profound things in life. According to, to many uh, findings out there, about 30% are uh, more likely to laugh in a social setting that warrants that when alone with humor-induced media, people don't tend to laugh. But when they're in a social situation, they do laugh. 
you know, and some people are more likely to laugh with friends while watching something together. When we're watching the same show or movie by, by ourselves, we may not do that. And so there are many ways to laugh. You know, there's always the, the, the giggles, the chuckles, the cackles, the snorting. It turns out that we humans laugh for a whole lot of reasons, and some of them are really weird. But it, it's more than just the latest episode of, of Saturday Night Live that has doubled over 90% of why we laugh has nothing to do with somebody telling a joke. What are some of the different uh, types and reasons of laughter? We have to ask ourselves that. At the end of the day, if you find yourself in an, in an elevator with your boss, instead of talking up your latest accomplishments, you find yourself laughing at, at, at everything they say, well, that may mean that you're trying to impress them. That's not always a good thing. Um, you know, though you may think that you sounded like a fool, you probably did just fine because people rely on laughter to get along with other people. So whether you're out with your boss or your friends, we tend to laugh at things that just aren't funny, you know. But if you really study, you know, laughter, um, people tend to laugh at perfectly bland statements like, can I join you or see you later? Laughter could have developed in our ancestors before full of speech. We may have had laughter before we ever learned how to speak. So the sound is merely a way to communicate and show show a, a, a agreement. You know, it was really funny. Um, in the history of the world, uh, it was a Mel, Mel Brooks movie, History of the World Part 1 or Part 2. I can't remember what it was. But uh, it opens with the, the, the first artist, and there's a painting on the, on the cave wall, and then the first critic is the guy that comes up and pees on the painting. <laughs> and so it's just, you know, humor can be devised in so many different ways, you know, and it doesn't have to be verbal. It can be nonverbal. And that's called our meta communication. Some people are just funny by the way they are. They're quirky. They're different. And maybe it's not their words. It's their behavior that makes them funny. You know, if someone tells a joke or gets a person laughing, a second person may start, and so laughter can catch on, and and it can it can just keep rippling through, you know. And it's kind of fun to think about that. It's it's really neat to be able to bring that joy into people's life. And if you're able to uh, uh, create contagious laughter, it ra raises the possibility that uh, 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 people are going to be more attracted to you as a person because you bring something different in life. You know, people that are funny are very magnetic, but they're not always funny. That you know, the deal is, is the opportunity to be funny is there, and that's a good thing. You know, there are times when we need to project dignity and control, like you know, a, a presentation or a funeral. Unfortunately, these are times when uh, uncontrollable or nervous laughter can happen. But quite frankly, you know, I've been to a lot of funerals and speaking about the funny things that people do in their life and have done in their life is totally appropriate at funerals. It's a wonderful thing. And people do laugh in those situations. It may be nervous laughter, but there, there are some really good things that can happen from bad situations. During times of anxiety, we often uh, 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 find a, a subconscious attempt to reduce stress and calm down, but it's, it's sort of a mature defense mechanism. Usually it just makes things more awkward though, because during times of anxiety, um, we tend to try uh, to, to find comfort in what we're doing and we trying to find some peace and you know de-stress. Laughter can help do that or laughter can make it very, very awkward. 
And so there's all kinds of different laughter. There's nervous laughter. It's it's often considered fake, and it's 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 often a, a go-to in high stress or high anxiety. Uh, laughing even nervously can help ease some of the stress, but you don't want to develop a habit of it. Inappropriate laughter can cause others disapproval and make you even more stressed out than you were before. There's also a thing called belly laughter, and belly laughter is really considered the most honest type of laughter. It may also be the hardest type to experience, and we have to wonder why, because we have to find something truly hilarious before we'll let go with the kind of laughter that has us clutching our bellies and gasping for air. You know, of course, that's not the only description of a true belly laughter. As you might guess, we all laugh differently. You know, I, my um, <clears throat> father-in-law, my old, my father-in-law way back when, he, uh, loved to collect trash. And so in his backyard, he collected enormous amounts of hoarding materials from people's garbage. And then what happened was he did not believe in banks. So he stored his money in the backyard. And one day he brought a mirror into his backyard and it was springtime and the sun came out and the sun reflected in the mirror, which caused a fire in the backyard and it burned all his money. Now, <laughs> That was a self-destructive thing that he did, but he also ended up on the front page of the local newspaper by doing that. And a lot of people actually came out and gave him money, helped him out, cleaned up his backyard. It actually accumulated a lot of really good things by what happened, but it was it sarcastically and rudely, but it was kind of funny that the whole thing happened. It, um, and, and I did find out that when people go to the bank, if you have burned bills, as long as you have half of it, the bank will give you uh, the money. So anyway, you know, it's good to take note of what makes you laugh. However, because it might save your life, you know, sometimes if you're laying in the hospital, a good belly laughter can be the best uh, anesthetic you can possibly have after after a surgery. Um, you know, I, I remember uh, one time that I actually... Um, stuck my foot in a lawnmower accidentally. I mowed over my foot and it cut my toe, and my little toe. And uh, so on the way to the hospital, I don't remember much about anything at the hospital or before that, but I do remember I was telling jokes all the way to, to the ambulance people all the way to the hospital. It's weird that our minds can actually go to a different place and actually go to humor as, as, as a means of dealing with things that are very, very traumatic. Um, but that, that actually helped me enormously. The, the pain was so much less because we were laughing and having fun. And entering into the hospital, it was not so bad. Uh, stitches were awful, but, that, but the whole thing was, uh, you know, I didn't have to take it so serious and focus just on what happened. You know, um, stress-relieving laughter is another laughter. Let's face it, life can be really tough. Whether you're on a tight deadline, with a boss breathing down your neck, or you're sitting in a rush hour traffic, your car's AC is gone, the end of the workday doesn't mean everything's peachy keen, but our muscles may still be tight, and it's a sign you're carrying the stress of the day. You know, stress is one of the most important reasons to find humor. 
it builds tension in the body and that tension has to go somewhere. And usually it's in the muscles. So what do you do? Yes, you could get a massage, but you could, it can be considered a laugh. You know, a good laugh is something that will help you. Stress relieving laughter can encompass many forms, but it's usually found in an outburst like a belly laugh. And that's a good thing. There's also this thing called a pigeon laughter. And say you're out for a walk with a friend when some, something falls from the sky, like pigeon poop on you, and you're splattered, but your friend is untouched. This event can, is anything but funny to you, yet your friend can't stop laughing. And, and that's, uh, that's called pigeon laughter, where things just happen to us out of just totally out of, out of spot, you know, just out of out of the blue, I, I remember uh, last week I was doing therapy and my dog was sleeping next to uh, my desk and uh, suddenly um, this odor <laughs> hit me in the middle of a very serious session with the client and I had to sit through that, the uh, horrible stench of my dog's farting and uh, eventually <laughs> I was able to, I, I couldn't help it, it almost made me cry, it was so stinky. And uh, I, I just started laughing, and my client looked at me, and he was like, what are you doing? I was like, my dog's just farted, and I'm trying to hear you, and this, it's just bad. And so we, that kind of broke up the situation. We laughed, and then we got back to business. But it was really good that that, that, that sets a different tone sometimes. There's also this thing called canned laughter. And, and, and canned laughter is another term for what's commonly referred to as a laugh track. And, and it can be real laughter, but it just happens to be laughter that's recorded and added to like a TV show. Sometimes when people do that kind of stuff, I find it to be a little manipulative. But uh, TV shows used to use canned laughter all the time because that's how they cued people to understand, that, okay, now's the time to laugh. Now's the time to laugh. So the more that they did that, the more that people would laugh, and that allowed people to think they were being entertained. But the fact was that they weren't nearly have not laughed at what to the percent of what the kid, the canned laughter was was doing. So people would leave with the impression that something was very very funny, even though it was all canned laughter. But that leaves an impression in our mind that something has been funny. And so it's kind of a mind trick. There's also cruel laughter. You know, uh, not, it's really not nice to laugh at someone else's expense, like me laughing at my uh, father-in-law. But, you know, whether you, you're one laughing or the one being laughed at, you probably, you know, broke the rule at some point in your life. You, you know, we may think cruel laughter is insensitive and out of touch, but it's been part of society for a long time. You know, in medieval times, there was a widespread practice of insulting via poetry known as flighting. And, and, and the most famous example is the flighting of Dunbar and Kennedy, which is the first known instance of poop-related insult and the F word. Surely laughter may have ensued on that stuff. <laughs> you know, laughter is a, a place in ancient texts. If we think about it, in the Greek times, they had what was called a phallus. And when people were on stage, um, if something, if they wanted to make something happen that was funny, they would use this huge penis, the phallus, to hit people over the head, much like a slapstick. 
And so that that actually was the basic invention of the slapstick was the phallus. And that would be a sense of comedy. But laughter in, in old times appears several times in the Iliad uh, written by Homer and even in the Bible. You know, and, and we have to understand that all of that, all, we can gather humor from all kinds of different places. And so, you know, if we think about it, there's all kinds of variabilities of types of laughter. There's a smirk. Uh, there's a smile, which is uh, voluntary and controllable. Uh, there's a, 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 a catchinet, which is to laugh loudly. A, a grin, which is silent, controllable, but uses facial muscles. There's the snicker, which first emerged as sound with facial muscles, but still it's controllable. There's the giggle, which it has about a 50% chance of reversal to avoid a full laugh. Then there's the chuckle, which involves our, mess, our, our chest muscles and deeper pitch. There's a chortle, which originates even deeper in the chest and involves muscles of the torso, usually provokes laughter in other people, by the way. There's the straight-up laugh, which involves facial and thoracic muscles, as well as the abdomen and the extremities. The sound of barking or snorting uh, can be involved in that. Also, the cackle, which is the uh, first involuntary stage. The pitch is higher. The body begins to rock. The spine extends and flexes with the upturning of the head. Then there's a different form of laughter, which is a guffaw, which is a full body response where the feet stomp and the arms wave and the thighs slap and the torso rock. Sound is deep and loud. It may result in a free flowing of, of tears and increased heart rate and breathlessness and strong solidarity laughter experience. Then there's the howl which is a volume and a pitch rises higher and higher and higher and the body becomes more animated. There's even the shriek, great intensity than a house, sense of helplessness and vulnerability, the roar where we lose individuality and, and everybody just roars. I mean, it can be funny, you know, convulsing. The body is completely out of control in a fit of laughter, resembles a, a, even a seizure where your extremities flail, your balance is lost, you grasp for breath, you collapse, you fall off a chair, and people can even die laughing. You know, that's just total happiness. It's, it's a brief psychotic break. It's a transcendent experience. You know, it's, it, it, we know when we have that kind of refreshing breathlessness and exhaustion of colors are more vivid, everything sparkles, everything is renewed when we have that deep, dying laughter. So it's really important for all of us to understand these types of laughters can really uh, denote great health in us. You know, there's, there's a bursting out, which is we suddenly start laughing or crying, or the collapse or the crack up, which is a suddenly laugh a, a lot at something. Uh, you know, the crease up, which is to start laughing and to make someone laugh a lot. And, uh, you know, it, it's just really good to understand that there's so many forms of laughter and to be able to get into the deeper, funner parts of laughter, that gives us more health benefits. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about how to create humor. Come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. 
Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about humor and healing. You know, learning how to be funny, improving your sense of humor can make your entire life more enjoyable. Life can be fun and entertaining if you know how to let it become fun. You know, to become truly happy, you must have a sense of humor. And for some of us, this comes naturally. For others, we you probably got to work on it a little bit. You know, it's a great tool to turn something bad into something good. And people love to be surrounded by someone who can make them laugh. But people that are very entertaining, people that can be funny, usually are also very humble. People that are arrogant have a harder time getting into humor because they tend to position themselves in a better way. People that don't frame their life in a better way often are more attached to having humor in their life. You know, being funny is something which can really help you in every aspect of your life, from making connections to your peers to getting, you know, someone to like you. Having a good sense of humor will always add to your arsenal when socially interacting with someone. And we don't all start by being the class clown or the joker, but if you want some tips, let's start talking about it. Here's number one. You want to watch more stand-up and comedies. And it's simple as it gets. To increase your sense of humor, you want to watch more comedies. You want to learn more effectively when you immerse yourself in a subject. You know, similarly, you can refine your sense of humor by immersing yourself in humor. Watch stand-up comedians. Listen to podcasts that amuse you. Read humorous books. Study, you know, funny people. Uh, You know, uh, there's a lot of fun out there. If you don't know where to start, look for something in your taste or start with something popular. You know, watching stand-up, following jokes can have you rolling on, on your seat in no time. The law of attraction 
will help you increase your sense of humor by filtering out jokes, pickup lines, and other metaphors that make people laugh. And you won't find every, everything funny because everyone has different tastes. But take the time to experiment. And once you find something of your liking, you will see that comedians are just talking about ordinary things from our daily life. And you can do that too. And that leads to the next point, which is try to see the funny side to almost everything. If you really want to develop your sense of humor, then try to take something ordinary and make a joke out of it. There's a hidden joke behind every little event, situation you come across. Looking at situations with a different perspective is very valuable life skill and will come in handy when you learn to be someone who tells or makes jokes or makes humor. You know, if you get stressed out about a situation, you, you eventually burst out in the laughter, you know, to make fun of it. And I know it seems weird, but this causes our mood to do an, a 180 and it influences other around us to do the same. You know, go ahead and try it. Try to analyze those simple objects around you. You'll start to find out almost everything you see in daily life has a funny side to it. You know, and, and, and you might want to, you know, learn some some uh, basic jokes. You don't have to be creative. Just go and do some research. The Internet's full of great resources for jokes, humor, puns, pictures, stand up. You know, try searching for stuff uh, that you like and add funny, you know, jokes or comedy uh, into your research. And you'll find millions of things that make you laugh. You know, uh, everybody likes to stay around people who make them laugh because it feels good. Hang out. Observe other funny people. Have other funny people in your life. We all have got some friends that we find funny. Go ahead and spend time with them. Learn, learn what they're doing to be funny and how they do it. Hanging out with other people will surely rub off on you. And it's a great thing for your health. You know, one, one of the best ways we can quickly improve our lives is having a sense of humor, which is also learning from other people in our life that have a sense of humor. Picking up on that is a great thing. You know, if you can tell someone is truly smiling or not watching, you know, you can always tell by, by uh, watching their eyes. You know, a true smile, you can tell seeing the corners of someone's eyes wrinkle up. That tells you that they're really happy. If they're just smiling and nothing's going on with their eyes, they're not, they're not really. They're kind of faking it. And so we've got to kind of understand how we're listening and what we're listening when we're telling jokes or, or making fun stories. You know, all comics will face criticism always. The thing about jokes, especially now that we're in this woke movement crap, all of our best comedians, all the some of the funniest people in the world are stifled simply because they cannot get out there and actually make fun of life because people are so sensitive and weird. But that's the way it is, and that's what the life we're in. So if there is a comedian like, let's say, even Kevin Hart, people are going to pick him apart. They'll pick anybody apart that brings humor into life. You know, don't give up, though. Just know everyone faces moments. Sometimes you might have to sneak away from a group or a party or take a breather for a couple seconds. On the flip side of humor is embarrassment. And if, if you're the butt of a joke, eventually it will be difficult to laugh that joke off. You know, uh, uh, you know, people have moments that, that we crack a joke and everyone just stares at us. You know, that happens. It's part of life. But that also can be funny just because of the, of the attempt to tell a joke that isn't funny. You know, uh, uh, it's most important uh, trait of a comedian is to never give up.
people that use sense of humor don't ever give up. Throw it in, throw it in, throw it in, and see if it sticks on the wall, just like a, a, a wet spaghetti. You know, be be clear when someone hurts your feelings with a joke, and then forgive them and completely, and move on, knowing that it's a sense of humor. It's much easier when you can forgive people. You know, if you're that kind of a person, you will receive humor because you understand that sometimes humor can be dark and meaning. You know, you don't want to, if, you, if you're going to use humor in life, you don't want to overdo it either. Know your audience. It's a key point to making them laugh. You can go overboard with your humor. You can end up offending, upsetting an audience that doesn't want to hear it. You know, try, try to read and, and judge how others are reacting to your humor. You know, oftentimes I will talk to people about anxiety. And what's really interesting about anxiety is people will uh, clench their teeth and breathe through their nose. But very few people understand that we only breathe through one nostril at a time. That's why we get boogers. We get boogers because every four hours our nose flips from one side to the other. And so when people have anxiety, the reason they have it is because they're cutting off the oxygen, which allows all our organs to operate and the blood gets, all the blood, uh, the, the oxygen in our blood goes into our brain. And so the brain is containing all that all that oxygen and the body is just sputtering. And that's what happens when people have anxiety. They also are hurting their organs and they're, they're making everybody sputter inside of them because they're lacking the oxygen they need. So, you know, the key is pick your nose. All right. So, you know, if you're, if you're witty and not silly, silly humor can be a solid starting point for some people, but it gets old. So it might make you look immature. So what we want to do is be witty. On the other hand, you know, if you're looking to get wittier or on, on, on the fly, your goal is to combine spontaneous creativity, ideas of delight, sarcasm, stale jokes do have a certain funny appeal. But being witty goes way beyond that. It's also on the hand of attraction. Studies show that women rank a witty sense of humor as the sexiest trait a man can have. Go there. Hey, look at that. That's kind of cool. Think about it. You know, the challenge of wit is it's spontaneous, and you can hone your wit by regularly quipping with other people. If you know someone who takes being witty as seriously as you do, it might help enlist them as a type of witty sparring partner. And then we can spar back and forth with our wit, and that can be very fun. You know, if you're comfortable with it, you can also try your hand at wit in the real world. Dinner parties, the office, coffee shop, elevator, family reunions, part of this Real world exposure is exposing yourself to spontaneity that wit requires. And you have to understand that once you get people laughing, that's great, but there needs to be an end to it. You don't want to be uh, putting yourself out there like that and, and then keep having to build your audience. People get tired. And so we, if you're going to keep rolling on humor, you have to understand there has to come an end to it too. You know, And let people just resonate with it. That could be fun. You know, this may be the single most thing that, that when we talk about laughter, you know, who laughs at a joke from someone frowning? Not many. But if you're letting off unhappy vibes, nobody will laugh at your jokes. You don't even think you're funny. The, the really developing a sense of humor, you need to laugh more. You know, watching a comedy, being around others is great. But if you don't follow the humor, how can you really know what's funny? And if you're happy and laughing, you will see that humor will flow naturally through you. But you have to have joy in your life. You have to have the need and the willingness to be happy, to have joy in your life, 
to be looking for that. We all need that in our characters. Many people have lost their sense of humor just in the fact that we've been through COVID. And COVID has detached us from each other, and it's not, in, not allowed us to interact and know how to become connected with each other. It's very sad, but that has happened. You know, the, the, the other thing is know the difference between being funny and mean. Making fun of someone for things they can't change can come off as really mean. And even though these jokes might make other people laugh, the person who is the target of the joke can grow really self-conscious and in turn, their, uh, it'll turn their mood off. And you don't want to do that to people. You have to be very careful with humor and not uh, becoming somebody that's detracting on other people's lives. You know, you can make jokes without be being mean. Make jokes about something they can easily change about themselves. You can also make self-deprecating jokes to a certain point that there will always be jokes which have no victims. You know, being sarcastic and witty can help you in a long way to make people laugh, but not, you know, but always know your audience and know when to stop. That's the big deal. Practice, practice, practice. You know, the, 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 if you think about it, comedy is something where it all comes down to delivery and timing. And if your delivery and timing are not correct, even the most hilarious jokes can fall flat. So, you know, if you want to improve your delivery and timing, Practice. Keep practicing telling those jokes. Practice is something you need to enhance in any skill. And there's a saying in karate which goes, I'm not afraid of the thousand moves you have practiced once. I'm afraid of the one move you've practiced a thousand times. That in karate can be very, very dangerous. You know, go ahead. Practice jokes. Find out the optimal delivery and the timing which makes laughter. And, and, and then you'd be good to go. Most of the time you can experiment with friends. You know, and, and you can also try to make yourself laugh by doing things, stopping that to analyze what you just did. The more you practice, the more comfortable we become. And that's an important factor in all of our life. You know, if you look at the sense of humor, one can find it in meditating. Meditating is a good way to get outside of ourselves and to actually witness what our brain actually thinks. And it can be pretty pretty weird you know the truth is if we actually were able to read each other's mind nobody would be married nobody would be in relationships our minds are so horrible as far as what we think and the thoughts that we have uh, most uh, most all of us if we could read each other's thoughts would probably be divorced and that's the god's truth but but you see the propensity of our brain is what we have to understand, and sometimes humor can be found in those very dark corners of our brain. All right, that's our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. You know, I love hearing from you. You could do that on our webpage at voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. We now have a Facebook page where you can write, and our webpage where you can contribute in the links section. So remember, at the beginning of COVID, toilet paper became my precious. Also, friends are God's apology for our family. Also remember, some people are so judgmental that you can tell by looking at them. Also, inside of every older person is a younger wondering what the hell happened. And the other thing, marriage and family is like a walk in Jurassic Park. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. 
Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. We'll be right back. 